Welcome to the Virtual CISO Chronicles podcast, where we talk about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business. Each week, I interview an expert working in the field of security. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, a generative AI painkiller platform for virtual CISOs and security experts. For years, I was the general counsel for various startups, and I suffered from what I call the security questionnaire problem. So one day I figured that if no one else was solving that problem, I would. I started this podcast because I went running one day and I tried to find a podcast about virtual CISOs and I only found two. So just like how I started ClearOps, I thought I'd start my own podcast. Today, our guest is Dennis Daverin. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me on. To get us going, can you please tell the audience about your background and where your passion for cybersecurity comes from? Well, my background, uh, I did 20, 22 years uh, as an Air Force pilot, commander, et cetera. Uh, I got out, had a various sundry of jobs, and then I started a couple of my own companies, sold them off. And uh, a cousin of mine, her husband, has a cybersecurity software company. He got me into it for the sales portion of it, and uh, I really kind of realize that how important this the cybersecurity was and how many people didn't know that much about it. So um and then I also didn't know that much about it. So I went and got my master's in cybersecurity. And like we talked about, um I uh I left there I think dumber, I think, or more ignorant, I guess would be the better term, because <laughs> this is the world's biggest onion. And I, I just as I describe it to people. Every time you pull over a layer, there's 10 more underneath it. Um and uh so i'm working on certifications um those are time consuming and uh and i'm finding them not very relevant for the most part in our industry to be frankly honest um so i started getting my doctorate because i want to look at uh cybersecurity and ai and the kind of interaction where we can where we can use it to help us and where it's gonna uh be hindrance to us yeah well, that's a big talk, topic and um, lots of things to talk about there. Uh, first of all, I have to ask you about the comment you just made where you find that certifications are not very relevant to the industry, but yet you're getting your PhD right now, right? Right. Yes. Well, for example, so uh, I'll, I'll give you an excellent example. I won't mm -hmm. mention the program, but there was a program for veterans um, to help you get your CISSP. Um, mm -hmm. And all the training for it was 12 or 20 hours worth of videos and some questions and such. And my critique back to the, um, the people that put the program together, and this is a university that puts this program together. I said, you, you describe the CISSP program in your teachings. Like let's, 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 um, let's describe the reasons and uh, structure of the U S highway system. And the questions you ask for the practice stuff is at exit 32, when you exit, what color pants is the guy to your right wearing? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's very, 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 very detailed um, stuff that a penetration tester or, um, you know, somebody that's, uh, you know, maybe a data analyst would know mm -hmm. that somebody that's it's at my level, it, it, I'm not going to go bang on keyboards and try to do penetration test stuff. I'm aware of them. I know how they work. I know what, what does work and what doesn't work, but asking me questions like, you know, how many, uh, how many things can go on an IP address? 
you know, how many, and it's like, right, right, right. That's just a little bit too much in the weeds for what you're asking somebody for the certification. And I see, I saw that in comp security plus a little bit, but more so uh, at the CISSP level, CISM level. That's interesting because, you know, a lot of jobs in the security industry require some type of certification as a sort of a barrier to entry and a skills leveling. But I think what you're basically saying to me is it doesn't, it's not an indication of the specific skills of the individual who's applying. If if you're at a a virtual SISO even, um, or you're at a SISO for, at a corporate level, um, you're never going to sit in a big meeting and they're not, they're going to be asking you nuts and bolts questions. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to be looking at what is the impact overall? What is our strategy going forward? And you know, how, how is this going to impact our bottom line? It's not right. going to be on oh, when, you know, what port was open when they attacked us? <laughs> you, know? <Right. laughs> you know, and I, and I get there needs to be some background knowledge. Um, but I also think that, um, the degree should hold a little more sway. Um, you know, if you have a master's in cybersecurity, because uh, you don't, and you don't have a comp plus, is that really that, or you know, comp security plus? You know, is is, is that, is that yeah. mm-hmm. a delineator? Like, no, I just didn't sit in front of a computer for twelve hours and bang on a keyboard. I I can I've done these things. I've sat there and taken these, some of these tests, and, and they're paying the butt. Um, hmm. But it, I don't see well, the relevance. I, I I'm not gaining anything from it. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Yeah. So now you're doing your PhD and you're just saying that you're super interested in, in the overlap between cybersecurity and AI. Is your PhD focusing on that? Is that what you were saying? Yes. It's what, what is the impact of the, of, uh, at the board level of, of how we're going to basically man, um, say our socks or, uh, our cybersecurity. How's that, how's that going to affect our, our manning? Because we know we can take AI and we can take a lot of mundane things away from people because it can do so much more as far as that kind of stuff. But at the same token, um, the bad guys can train the AI so that we miss the mundane things. They can trick, you know, the the our AI models into thinking, well, that's still good. That's still good. That's still good. And then they 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 add a little packet to it or something, and all of a sudden now we're attacked. Yeah, I was reading something recently about LLMs talking and training each other. So an LLM sort of talking to another LLM and saying, "Right, you know, here's here's changing conditions. You need to change based on these changing conditions." Um, and I thought that was a, a very interesting. In this case, it was talking about autonomous driving. But when you think of that to cybersecurity, it's almost what you're saying, right? Is that the bad guys mm-hmm. can train an, an algorithm that talks to another algorithm? We don't know what the conversation is. That's right. That's right. Or it can just send yeah. uh, benign data enough times that, you know, it's it's like anything else. You get, uh, you know, if you fake enough times, you don't fall for the fake. And then finally they actually come across or do it and you get bopped in the nose. You're like, oh, okay, well. So that's, yeah. that's, that's part of that kind of aspect of it as well. So it's trained. You're essentially stuffing it with training data so that it starts to skew the model weights right. in a way that then you can use it as an attack vector. That's yes. really an interesting concept that I need to sit back and give some thought to. So uh, so are you in your, well, let's, let's unpack a little bit about what you're currently doing. We know you're doing a PhD, but you also seem to have 
at least one or two other jobs going on at the same time. Can you describe what else you're doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm working for uh, High Noon, um, doing virtual size of stuff. So we, we do pretty much everything. We're, right now, we're just finishing up a, a data impact analysis. Um, we just finished the SOC 2. Um, uh, for smaller startup companies right now that, uh, you know, obviously don't have their own cybersecurity. Oh, the one that we're doing the data impact for, um, they they actually have their own SISO and they're they're not a too small of a company, but they just need somebody from the outside of the organization to look at their data. Where's it going? What do we mm-hmm. use it for? Where is it, you know? And, and what, that's one of the things that um, I, I found kind of interesting is of the, I say 20, 20 people I've interviewed and talked to about the programs, a great majority of them don't know what data they're even putting in the program and or where it's going once once it's mm-hmm. in. Um, and they didn't even think about things like, well, we're recording our all we record all our Zoom calls and stuff like that. And they're like, well, okay, now you now you've got all that data. If it's recorded and saved, it's now you got a whole bunch of PII in there now. They're like, oh, we didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> you're sharing a screen. You're sharing a screen with financial data and everything else. Well, it's all there, right? You know, and somebody yeah. can break yeah, into I the mean... database and get it some, somehow. So they they all kind of like, oh, and I think I think as a rule, people don't understand that. I, I I'm currently interviewing for a board level uh, sizeo position, and one of the things they asked me. Um, at the board level, I was talking to several of the board members and they were asking kind of around Robin questions. And they said, well, you know, you, I know you don't know our company yet. You haven't taken a look, but where do you think our, our weak point is? And I said, well, I said, how much training do you give your staff? And they went, what do you mean? Well, how much training do you give your, your executive assistants and stuff? And, stuff? and they kind of went, uh, well, some basic. I said, they have your calendars. They have all your personal information. They have a lot of financial data. I said, the weakest person in your staff is probably the the first place you need to strengthen. And I do that because a friend of mine, uh, he had gotten his email hacked this a couple of years ago. Um, and they were monitoring his emails for six months, six months. And they knew when he got on a wow. plane to go overseas, he would be out of, out of office for three hours. He, they sent an email from his email to his secretary to wire $580,000 in three different transfers to these separate entities. And when he finally got on Wi-Fi over the water, he's like, oh, I, I, no, stop, stop, stop. But two of them have gone through. Wow. So if your secretary, if your executive assistants, whatever you want to call that person that handles your, you know, your, your close in tight stuff, if they fall for something, and it could be very sophisticated they fall for, but they have to be very aware that um, that exists now and it's only going to get better. Yeah. With the voice. Speaking of AI, AI, right. Yeah. 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 I love that you bring up those points because every time someone says, do you mind if I record the Zoom? I'm I'm always in the back of my head going, what are you doing to protect this call from, you know, getting leaked? Um, so it's it's a really, I'm going to, I'm certainly going to talk about that point that you make on LinkedIn. And I, I also really like that you are focusing on how to speak to a board in a way that they understand, because I, you know, there's been a lot of attention recently on the board needing to uplevel, upskill into cybersecurity. It sounds like that's something that you're interested in as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is, is the board and what I've gotten from 
I have friends that are CFOs and CIOs and stuff. Um, and they kind of, well, we look at cybersecurity as, as a um, cost center. And I said, well, do you look at your IT department as a cost center? Well, yeah, kind of, but it helps us. I'm like, well, okay, well, if I, if the security is not there and something happens, what's, what's the, where's the real cost center? And they went, well, yes, yeah. exactly. I said, you know, you, you don't, you don't look at the locks on your doors, the fences around your, your buildings or stuff as, as cost centers. So the same thing really doesn't need to apply. And and I, I bring up a, a good point. When I first started in, in the, in business, I was a quality control engineer. Long story short, I convinced the company that I was working for to not limit my monthly bonus um, based upon production. I said, well, I'm just quality control. How can I affect production? And because I made changes in the way we actually handle stuff over a two-month period, at the end of two months, I was I was going from $100 bonus to $500 bonuses back in the 80s when that was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like, oh, wow, so, because I had my technicians doing things in a different manner that was making the floor production that much more efficient. So hmm. I think that's how we have to think about this in cybersecurity is that it's not it's not about making it harder for people. It's getting them into a culture where when you have a two-factor authentication, that should be the norm. If I don't get a two-factor authentication on something now, I go, wait a minute. Let me double check this. Make sure the link is good, <laughs> you know, because I should have I should have two. And sometimes it's annoying. Some places, like the VA, for example, the Veterans Administration does like three factor. They give you three different oh. things. Okay, that's fine. You know, that's our government money. That's my money. I, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, I, look, my particular soapbox is that there is a portion of cybersecurity that for, for sure is revenue generating. And I talk about this in a couple different ways, but one is, you know, my soapbox is security questionnaires. You can't get a customer to close the deal unless you get the security questionnaire answered or sometimes in the in the case of getting a SOC 2. Um, but the other is that a lot of marketing now will push security pages to show a trust center or something like that. That's that's a that's not a cost center. That's revenue. That's how you're building trust with your customers. So I, I completely agree with you on the the fact that it's a revenue generating side. I do want to switch our focus a little bit and talk about entrepreneurship because you have such a unique uh, background in the sense that you um, you had two, you said you started a couple of companies and sold them. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how, and also, well, I'll save the second part after you answer that one. <laughs> well, the first one was, was just trying to do um, government contracting um, as a disabled veteran. That one didn't really go anywhere. It was getting in that door is very, very hard. Once you're in, you can sustain it, but getting in is very, very hard. Cracking that first um, nut, so to speak, is is tough. Um, And then I started doing, I I actually was just selling these kind of hoodies, t-shirts with veteran sayings and veteran stuff. And that was doing very well. Um, Went into partnership with some people that went sour and ended up selling it. But as I was getting out of that, I realized that, you know, as much as you like my sweatshirts, my hats, my cups or whatever, if you're buying something because you like it, that's great. But I had to go out and constantly get new customers um, yeah. versus something that's going to be, um, uh, you know, I'll call it consumable or renewable. So then I started yeah. a coffee company and that really hasn't taken uh, as well. Well, I started right before COVID. So. Things okay. have been 
cold. But it's a kind of a hobby. I had some things going for a while. And now I just, I'm too busy. Uh, I've kind of turned some of the reins over to my sister and helping her. Um, but she's also busy as well. So it's a medical issue. So um, so you're a serial entrepreneur. Kind of, yeah. In your I, I, I like to just constantly be, uh, yeah, do stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't sit around watching TV, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're doing VCSO work for High Noon, you said. Is High Noon a, a virtual CISO consulting company? Yeah, they do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's not just you know the CISO stuff. Um, Shannon Noon has been around for a long time. Very, very smart. Um, and uh, much smarter than than me. And, and it's funny. Um, you know, she's taught me a lot over this last year uh, as far as thinking the process through than just the surface. We're, we look at the surface a lot of times and it's like, okay, great. But she's looking two, three deep layers deep, which is great for like a data analysis, you know, a data or privacy mm -hmm. analysis. Where is this data going? And, you know, great. You, you entered in here, but who else has access to it? Where is the data stored? You know, so right. uh, that's been a very, very uh, educational experience the last couple of months. Okay. And then, I mean, I know you've done consulting in your past as well. So my question for you is, are you responsible for finding new clients and, and selling new business with High Noon or, no. or is that taking care of it a different? Okay. That's taking care of different. You know, um, I, I was good at sales years ago and I, I used to uh, do some stuff for nonprofits and make a lot of money for people. Um, but um, that's changed. That, that, that whole dynamic has changed for the last 20 years. Um, yeah. I think yeah. the SISOs, anybody like us, I get inundated uh, multiple times a day, you know, with sales pitches from, and I was one of those guys five years ago. So I, <laughs> I know, and I just have to, I'm, I play like, oh, no, thanks, but you know, keep trying. Right. Right. <laughs> or don't please <laughs> stop trying. Um, and so when you are, um, what kind of clients are you trying to work with right now? What, what What's the profile? of the client that you work with there is generally the, the startups to mid-level companies right now the ones that you know can't afford a, a whole cybersecurity um team you know they may have an mm -hmm. it guy that's got some cybersecurity background and can configure stuff correctly but um as they're growing you know one of the biggest things um and for like the SOC 2 and even this uh data um impact stuff is um documentation uh, mm -hmm. most of these companies don't like all right so for example this this company um they had 25 different documents and they had cybersecurity and, and it separated in in 25 three or four page documents and i'm like when you change something you've got to change it now in 25 documents if it if it exists in 25 or find out which one of those 25 exists in and i said the best thing to do is to clump this into one document with multiple tabs so that way now, mm -hmm. when you make a change, you can do a fine replace and get 90% of it good before somebody has to go through it again um, and handle those changes. Um, it becomes cumbersome, I get it, but you know that's that's the best way to do things so you don't let something slip through the cracks when when somebody comes in, hey, yeah, we want to do, you know, you want to do a government contract, they want to do some CMSMC or FedRAMP stuff come in. Um, and they start looking if, if it's not documented, you didn't do it, whether you did it or not, it doesn't matter if, if it's not documented, you didn't do it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, very valid point. Um, okay, so on the entrepreneurship side, any advice that you would give to someone who's thinking about starting their own business based on your experiences? Just find a need. You know, just find a need somewhere and then do your best to be the subject matter expert. And then once you start making a little bit of money, hire somebody smart. You can't do it all yourself. Um, be careful with marketing. Uh, there are a lot of companies that, that promise you the moon and deliver nothing. Mm -hmm. um, marketing is tough. There are no uh, magic bullets in marketing. So be aware of that. But just uh, don't quit. I'm 58 right. years old and I'm I'm still, you know, still plugging away. As long as as long as I <laughs> as long as I enjoy it and, and I'm entertained by most of the things, I keep going at it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think I think grit um has a lot to do with it. I also think the media tends to applaud companies, especially in the startup space, that are very fast, that launch in some sort of rocket ship type of way. And I think a lot of people struggle because they think that they should be able to do that too. And the reality is, is building a business is just a yeah, slow grind. One of those that, grind. that have, there are 5,000 that fail. Right. So, yeah. uh, and even and what's even interesting, they fail I, a lot of know, times because, yeah, right. because yeah. They, they, they have no structure behind them. You know, they, right. they shoot up. That was what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. Uh, you know, we can look at that uh, crypto guy. You know, that's been in the news lately. Yes. You know. He had nothing SBF, yeah. people, and everybody loved the the shiny lure and they followed it all right into the right into the ground. That's right. Sometimes a meteoric rise does not necessarily mean that you stay up in space. Okay, so I, we're running out of time, unfortunately. This has been a really good conversation, um, but I have some quick fire questions for you. So uh, first thing is, what is your number one security tip that you tell your friends at social events? Your phone. Secure your phone. Um, this is the biggest spy device in the world. And if you're going overseas and you're going to a country that's not necessarily one of our friends, get a burner phone. Because huh. your data is not safe. I like it. Okay. Um, any favorite cybersecurity or business, entrepreneurship, whatever, book or website or resource blog anything that you recommend that other people should either read my old company arch nimbus for bigger companies i really like them for cybersecurity quantification I re they really did do some cutting edge stuff there but i also for the average company even a small one with just a few employees fish cloud p-h-i-s-h-c-l-o-u-d they have some great training it's relevant it's um it's not the typical click and point and uh you know powerpoints where you you know, got mm -hmm. it, got it, got it. Click, click, click. Okay, I'm done. You know, it's it's really good training, and it's uh, he's constantly evolving it so that it stays relevant. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I have to check it out. I haven't heard of that before. Um, okay, so well, that's pretty much for the quick fire questions. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Can you please let listeners know how they can find you? Yeah, again, I'm uh, Dennis Davern. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and my email is ddayu2 at me.com. I'm also on Facebook, but I don't inter interact on Facebook much. That's uh, I understand. We all, we all know I'm the same it's, way. <laughs> it, it, it's the drama. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find it and all of our other virtual CISO interviews on Substack and Apple Podcasts at the Security Expert Marketplace. Dennis, thanks again for joining us. It was a pleasure talking to you and I hope to talk again soon. Okay, thanks.